Welcome to another edition of the J-Red Show, another special edition from my house. And right now, I'm going to talk about a huge week in professional wrestling. We have entered a new era in wrestling. The WWE has got new competition in AEW. And let's get started. It all started on... on Raw on September 30th. Um, the main event was supposed to be Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio for the Universal Championship. But in the, in the beginning of the show, Brock Lesnar attacked Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic. And as a result, Rusev replaced Mysterio in the main event. The big story to come out of this Raw was Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair on Miz TV. Um, they're going to assemble a, a five-man, a ten-man tag team match. Hulk Hogan will manage and coach five baby faces, and Ric Flair will manage and coach five heels at WWE Crown Jewel. So the WWE trying to sell nostalgia, bringing in Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and The Undertaker for Crown Jewel to sell the nostalgia to our fan to the fans overseas in the Saudi Arabia tour. Hulk Hogan assigned Rollins and Rusev to his team while Flair assigned Orton and King Baron Corbin. The main event uh, with Rollins and Rusev ended in a draw. When um, Orton and Corbin came out and they attacked the baby faces. They tried to fight him off, but Bobby Lashley came out and kissed Rusev's kayfabe girlfriend, Lana. Then, in, then the fiend Bray Wyatt attacked Rollins. Other matches of the night, Sasha Banks defeated Alexa Bliss. Dolph Ziggler, defeated, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode defeated Heavy Machinery. The Viking Raiders defeated the OC. Ricochet defeated Cesaro. AJ Styles defeated Cedric Alexander. Lacey Evans defeated Natalia. Overall, it was an okay Raw. It sets up a storyline with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. And I don't mind a little nostalgia every now and then. Hulk Hogan was my, was my childhood hero and my favorite wrestler as a kid. So, now on to Wednesday... The Wednesday Night War, as AEW launches his brand new show, Dynamite, on the same time as WWE's NXT. And both shows kicked off with fantastic matches. I was watching both shows at the same time. I was watching AEW on my TV and NXT on my laptop. And NXT started off with Adam Cole defeating Matt Riddle in a fantastic match. After the match, Finn Balor returned. He confronted Adam Cole. And um, he said he was officially re-signed to the NXT brand. I can see why the WWE made this move. Um... Because Finn Balor was the founding father of the Bullet Club. And All Elite Wrestling is based off the 
Bullet Club subgroup, The Elite. So, it's kind of funny how things go full circle. <coughs> Meanwhile, on AEW, Cody Rhodes defeated... They kicked off with a, they, they too kicked off with a fantastic match between Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. After the match, Chris Jericho attacked Rhodes. Again, another fantastic match and another fantastic start to the and overall a fantastic start to the Wednesday Night War. That is how you kick off a wrestling war. It was great to hear Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross on the commentary. It brought back so many childhood memories. We have not heard Schiavone do... I've heard Tony Schiavone do um, the Gwinnett Braves games on the TuneIn Radio app, which is the um, um, triple affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. But in wrestling, we have not heard Tony Schiavone call a match since WCW went out of business in 2001. He briefly showed up in TNA as a heel, but he didn't last long. So it was great hearing JR and Shivani on the um, commentary. Next match for AEW was MJF defeating Brandon Cutler. MJF insulted the fans before the match. He's a great heel. Jay and Silent Bob cut a promo to promote their movie. Kevin Smith and Jason Muth got into an argument with Angela Nichol and Jack Evans, and then brawl broke out. SoCal and the Lucha Brothers brawled before the tournament. Pac PAC, who was formerly Neville, defeated Adam Page. And then we had a women's match between Rio and N N Nyla Rose. Finally, our main event. A six-man tag between Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz the, against the Elite, defeating the Elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. This is a very good match. An excellent main event this kickoff. An excellent main event. <coughs> John Moxley came out and attacked Kenny Omega. They brawled in the back before knocking each other out. What happened next, uh, after the match, was pure mayhem. As a 3-on-2 post-match attack by the heels, Jericho, Santana, Santana and Ortiz happened. Cody Rhodes ran in. Out came Guerrero to kick Cody in the groin, which summoned a run-in from Dustin Rhodes to clean house. Then finally, Jack Hager came out. A former... That's right, Jack Hager, who was a former Belair MMA heavyweight champion and formerly Jack Swagger in WWE. He hit a spine buster on Dustin before initiating a gang-style beating. And it reminded me so much of... The NWO and Nitro. Back on next NXT, Velveteen Dream addresses Roderick Strong. Velveteen Dream kind of reminds me of the Godfather, only with a lot of purple. Io Share defeated Maya and Yim in a women's match. Johnny Gagano defeats Shane Thorne. Shania Balza de Vazla defeats Candice LeRae. Pete Dunne defeated Denny Burke. <laughs> Finally, in the main event. The Undisputed Era defeat the Street Profits. After the match, Tommaso Ciampa made his triumphant return and confronted Adam Cole. <coughs> Both shows were very good, but I give the I give the slight edge to NXT because it had a better ending. Compa 
Tommaso Campos' return was epic. My issue with AEW's ending is that it reminded me of so many Nitro endings that featured the NWO beating down on the WCW babyfaces. <laughs> so it looks like Chris Jericho is the leader of an NWO-like faction. But we will see where that goes from there. On to SmackDown. Becky Lynch came out to introduce the, to to greet the crowd and introduce them to the new era of SmackDown. King Corbin, King Baron Corbin interrupted her. Then finally, after three long years since WrestleMania 32, The Rock came out and returned to the WWE. The Rock used his usual catchphrases. Finally, The Rock has come back home. He didn't say Los Angeles at home. He called King Corbin a 35-year-old virgin hanging out at Comic-Con. Corbin responded that he's the only king in Los Angeles and it's not LeBron James. The Rock asked Corbin, well, that's what you think? But this time it was Becky Lynch is saying, it doesn't matter what you think. And then Becky Lynch and The Rock called Corbin a super tough dude. But then they got the crowd a chance STD. Finally, they both beat him up. Rock hit Corbin the rock bottom people's elbow. Such a great moment. It made me so happy to see the rock back. Sent chills up my spine. <coughs> a lot of childhood memories. It was great seeing Hulk Hogan back in the ring too. So a lot of nostalgia. A lot of the old meeting the new. That's kind of what made this week special for, for wrestling. <coughs> Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair beat defeat Bailey and Sasha Banks. Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a no contest when the Fiend Bray Wyatt attacked Rollins. Rollins versus Nakamura is a very good match. Kevin Owens defeats Shane McMahon. As a result, Shane was fired from SmackDown in a ladder match. Lots of crazy moves. Shane hit the elbow through Owens on the announce table. Then later on, Owens hit the frog splash on Shane, who was laying on the ladder outside the ring. Um... After the match, Kevin Owens says Shane is fired and stutters him. So Kevin Owens continues his gimmick of being Stone Cold Steve Austin 2.0 of using the stutter and being the anti-authority babyface. Next, we have an eight-man tag team match. Braun Strowman, The Miz, Heavy Machinery, and Heavy Machinery defeat um, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, and Randy Orton. Um, the babyface's team won. After the match, Strowman had confronted the boxer Tyson Fury, who was sitting in the front row. Next, we had a lumberjack match between Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan. Luke Harper tried to help Rowan, but Brian fought him off. So overall, this was a real solid SmackDown up to this point. And now, to a moment that pisses me the fuck off and pisses a lot of fans off. Kofi Kingston's title reign was the feel-good story of the year. New Day has been my favorite act in WWE for the last five years. And what happens? Brock Lesnar defeats Kofi Kingston in eight seconds. What? That was their... That was even more one-sided... 
than their beast from the East Clash back in 2015. And that is how Kofi's title reign ends? Fuck that. After the match, former UFC champion Kane Vestas came out with Rey Mysterio, and they beat up Brock Lesnar, getting revenge for the Dominic Assault. So, SmackDown, so they like to bring back a lot of combat sports athletes, like Valkes and Fury. It's not new, though. They brought back Mike Tyson back in 1998, they had Floyd Mayweather in 2008. So, it's nothing new. So, with the exception of... Lesnar versus Kingston. I enjoyed SmackDown. Up next was the hell uh, is the pay per view Hell in a Cell, and it started off great. Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. Lots of crazy moves. It was absolutely brutal. This is the pinnacle of women's women's revolution, and it shows the overall improvement of women's wrestling. This was the type of top-tier match we have been dying to see get from Lynch since she won the main event at WrestleMania. And it comes as no surprise that Banks was the one who gave it to her. Is it worth wondering whether the right person went over in the end? If Banks is not going to beat Lynch, who will actually will? But that's only a somewhat negative thought out of this barn burner. It was near perfect from start to finish. And both women looked like stars in the end. So, such a great start. Up next, we had Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns defeat the former Bludgeon Brothers slash Wyatt family in Eric Rowe and Hugh Luke Harper. That was a very good match. Randy Orton defeat Ali. The Kapuku Brothers, sorry, the Kapuku Warriors defeat Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. The Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman defeat the OC by disqualification when Gallows and Anderson assaulted Strowman. I didn't like the disqualification finish, but overall it's a very good match. Kevin defeats Carmella. Gable defeats Corbin. R Truth defeats Tamina. Charlotte Flair defeats Bailey. And now the second moment of the week that pissed me off and pissed a lot of fans off. Seth Rollins versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt. So right off the bat. Um, there was red lights throughout the entire match. Everything was glowing red. Right off the bat, I, there was, that raised a, re, a, no pun intended, a red flag. Because it reminded me of the bugs in the Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton match back in WrestleMania 33 in 2017 that killed Bray Wyatt's first push. <coughs> Look at this. After about 10 minutes of wrestling... Rollins hit about a dozen curb stomps and only got a one count. Hit Bray Wyatt in the face of the chair and another one count. He set the ladder and chairs on top and a toolbox on Wyatt's face, then got a sledgehammer and smashed Wyatt with it. And then the ref called for the bell. Because, uh, does, uh, because Seth Rollins went too far, apparently? It's hell in a cell! It's supposed to be barbaric. Second year in a row, a hell of a sell to disqualification. Like I said, they, they really got to get the hell of a sell back to the way it was and not have it be a yearly pay-per-view. It is supposed to be, back in the Attitude Era, 
it was a once in a, it was a, the Hell in a Cell was a rare match that settled the, the most violent feuds. Now it's just a regular match with disqualifications. The crowd booed. Wyatt killed Rollins after the match with the Mandible Claw. WWE didn't want Rollins to beat the Fiend, but they didn't want him to put the they didn't want to put the title on him either. So they were chanting AEW and demand a refund. This was an overbooked atrocity that Vince McMahon and the WWE should be embarrassed to present to its fans. On the heels of a highly successful Fox debut. And a Wednesday night that proved that there's an audience for the that, that there is an alternative. The idea that Vince presided over the creative meeting where this was the finished pitched was ludicrous. WWE had its hands on a rare character that completely captivated the audience. I absolutely love Bray Wyatt and the combination of an evil Mr. Rogers and this demonic. Creature. Instead of paying off with a short, sweet, and dominant victory, the, the it overthought the scenario and sought to drive this off for another pay-per-view rather than pay it off. Again, it reminds me of what happened with Becky Lynch, who went on to become the biggest thing in wrestling. Instead of learning from that moment, the company failed fans and the man behind the mask. And now, the aurora of the Fiend has been extinguished. Why? Because Rollins didn't want to, they didn't want to get the title off Rollins so soon. Either line of reason is deeply flawed. Good luck with cash recapture that WWE. Um, just awful booking. Awful end to a pretty good pay-per-view. <laughs> and... Just... And that, for, and then, like that, 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 and Lesnar Kingston is the two black marks on a crazy wrestling week. So for the ratings result, AEW drew a 0 0.62, beating NXT's with 0 0.32. <coughs> SmackDown drew a 3.9, a Raw's 2.6. I expect the ratings to go down for SmackDown. But I wanted to really try to push SmackDown as a new A show ever since they put Roman Reigns on um ever since they put Roman Reigns on SmackDown. I know I know that re wrestling's probably not gonna draw the it's gonna be interesting to see wrestler wrestling goes from here. I'm not expecting wrestling to draw the ratings that it drew in the attitude era. Or the 33 million who watched the Hogan-Andre twin referee match in the 80s. However, there are other ways to watch wrestling nowadays. Like, for example, the Battle Royale from 2011 has over 90 million views on YouTube. Now I'm talking about wrestling status as a sport. It seems like wrestling's going in all different directions and trying to cater to everyone. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, AEW is reminds me a lot of WCW. And Chris Jericho is the leader of an NWO-type faction. 
NXT is doesn't have a lot of gimmicks and characters. It's just very simple wrestling, and it's like what the hardcore fans want. That fans, the fans that want wrestling to be more looked at as a sport. However, I don't think ca the casual fans really want wrestling to go all out as a sport. They don't want to see just regular guys do wrestling moves. They want to see compelling stories and compelling characters. The two most successful periods in wrestling that drew the highest ratings was in the 80s and the late 90s. In the 80s, we had Hulk Hogan, an all-American yellow blonde bodybuilder. His rivals included the seven-foot giant Andre the Giant, a Scotsman, Rowdy Roddy Piper, a snake wrangler, Jake the Snake Roberts. You had the macho man, Randy Savage, who just up in all colors, was all colorful and had his catchphrase, Ooh, yeah! You had Ted DiBiase, a guy that was so rich that he had dollar signs on his suit. You had the honky-tonk man, the Elvis impersonator. We had Tananka, who was an island savage. You had Kamala, the... You had Kamala, who was a cannibal from Africa. You had the face-painted ultimate warrior. You had the undead Undertaker. In the late 1990s, we entered the Attitude Era, where we had Stone Cold Steve Austin, a beer-drinking, foul-mouthed, finger-flipping-off redneck. We had The Rock, who would talk in third person and insult wrestlers in hilarious ways. The Undertaker involved his character from an undead guy to a satanic undead guy who led a cult and performed satanic rituals. You had the Brood, who portrayed vampires. You had the Acolytes, with Farouk and Bradshaw, with symbols on their face, on their chests. You had MMA fighter Ken Shemrock. You had the Big Boss Man, whose character was a correctional officer. You had the you had the Pimp, the Godfather. You had the Gold Face Weirdo, Gold Dust. You had the Blue Meanie. You had the demonic monster, Kane. You had spastic karate fighters like X-Pac and Steve Blackman. And finally, you had Al Snow, a guy who talked to his, a guy who would talk to a mannequin head. On WCW, the all-American bodybuilder, Hulk Hogan, changed into, a, into an evil black-wearing gang leader named Hollywood Hogan who led a gang to try to take over WCW. As opponent trying to stop him, Sting changed from a surfer to a dark, white face painted character that resembled the movie The Crow. This is what drew many fans in the 1990s. But although wrestling had these crazy gimmicks, one thing that wrestling fans took... Professional wrestling is a sport. Even though the winners 
and losers are predetermined by writers. If you are written to win the championship of your promotion, it is like winning the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup, the NBA championship, the World Series, or any other championship in sports. Professional wrestler Diamond Dallas Page said it was like winning the Oscars, or the Emmys, or the Grammys, or the Tonys. It means that you are one of the very best at what you do. Your goal as a professional wrestler is to get over. The, the, the fans are the scoreboard. If the, if the crowd is reacting to your moves, if they're cheering you as a babyface, if they're booing you as a heel, if they are going nuts for your wrestling style and your character, you are main event pay-per-views and winning championships. If not, if they're quiet and they don't care about you, you are on the opening card, and when you're on the main card, you get your butt kicked in, in less than a minute, which is called a jobber. So that's why wrestling's considered a sport. Because of its athleticism and all. However, in the late 1990s, the WWF and WCW were fighting each other for ratings in the Monday Night War. However, WCW eventually lost those ratings and went out of business. What happened? Um, a WCW made a lot of mistakes that led to its demise. But the two that really stick out is Finger Poke of Doom and David Arquette win the world title. Finger Poke of Doom, Kevin Nash defended the WCW World Championship against Hollywood Hogan. Hogan pokes Nash. Nash purposely lays down. Hogan lays on Nash, and Nash lets him pin him one, two, three, and he gives him a the title. And then, of course, a year later, movie actor David Arquette wins the world title. These two events told WCW fans, this is not a sport. This is a show. This is not a championship. It's a prop. Anyone can come in this ring and win the championship. Not really be arrested, but I digress. That's how WCW fans felt. And as a result, they lost millions of viewers. They lost millions of dollars. And then in 2001, they were purchased by the WWF, which was later renamed WWE. Meanwhile, the WWE spent the next 18 years going in the complete opposite direction. They portrayed themselves too... Nowadays, it seems like they portray themselves too much like a sport. All those crazy characters and gimmicks I mentioned earlier, it's gone. Now they're just guys. They're just generic guys in tights with little personality... I mean, you have exceptions. You have the highly entertaining New Day. You have Bray Wyatt, who's a cross between an evil Mr. Rogers and a demonic demon. But for the most part, they're just guys. And I just think wrestling needs to find that middle ground 
between being a sport and being a show. Between making it an athletic comp, making it an athletic competition, where the wrestlers are comp- are competing to be the very best and win championships, and providing characters and telling compelling stories. And the unique thing about wrestling today is, with all these different promotions, we have they have different ideas. Like we have, we have Raw and SmackDown, which I think caters to the casual, who should cater, cater to the casual fans who want it to be Walker's show. Introduce more characters like the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and New Day, and use them correctly. Don't do anything stupid. NXT seems like it caters to the hardcore fans who want. I mean, some fans do want wrestling to be more looked at as a sport. They think they look at the campy, hokey characters of the '90s, and they think it's stupid, and they want to be more realistic, like MMA. So that's where I think NXT comes in. AEW is um, kind of like WCW. You have Chris Jericho and his faction being the new NWO, and then we have Impact Wrestling, formerly TNA, and ROH. Still on TV, so they have their own ideas for wrestling. So that's my little rant on professional wrestling. What are your thoughts? Hit me up on Twitter at JRed Show. Don't forget to tune in to the JRed Show on 9.7 The Music FM and on the Anchor Podcast app on Thursdays from 10 to 11. I'll be talking about other sports. Besides pro wrestling, I'll get wrestling talk if I can get in, if I can fit it in there. But for my other sports talk, the Buffalo Bills improved to four and one after a fourteen to seven victory over the Tennessee Titans. Josh Allen was twenty two for thirty two, two hundred nineteen yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Frank Gore had fourteen carries for sixty yards. John Brown had five receptions for 75 yards. For the whole year, Josh Allen has 102 completions on 163 attempts. He has five touchdowns and seven receptions. And 1,122 yards. Frank Gore has 75 attempts on for 333 yards and two touchdowns. John Brown leads with 28 receptions for 390 yards. Jordan Poyer leads the team with 33 tackles. Jordan Phillips leads with four sack leads the team with four sacks. And Tredavious White has two interceptions. The Buffalo Sabres have a 2-0-1 record. They beat the Penguins 3-1 and the Devils 7-2 before falling to the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-3 in overtime. The three Buffalo goals were scored by Marcus Johansson, Victor Olsson, and Jeff Skinner. Sherry, Reinhardt, Miller, and Dahlin all have assists in that game. On the year, um, Rasmus Dahlin leads the team with five points, one goal, and four assists. Goal leader is Victor Olsson with three goals and one assist for four points. 
Carter Hutton has a 150 goal against the average and a 939 save percentage. Linus Olmark has a 393 goal against the average and a 909 save percentage. The Rochester Americans kick off their season with a 3-2 victory over the Syracuse Crunch. Tage Thompson had two goals. Um, Rasmus Asplin and Zach Redmond had two assists as the Amherst begin their season 1-0. The New York Yankees win the ALDS by sweeping the Minnesota Twins. They beat them 5-1 in Game 3. Glaber Torres went 3-3 three three in that game. Luis Severino pitched four innings and had four strikeouts along four hits. Torres led the Yankees in the series with um he was five for twelve with a with four RBIs and a four seventeen batting average. Gregorius had six RBIs. And that's it for the J Red Show right now. Hit me up on Twitter at J Red Show, and I will see you later, brothers and sisters.